Amen. Let me let me try to be at home. And uh, normally when I get at the podium, I say some things and I get the congregation to say it after me and we'll have the Creole as part of it. Um, long before that term became popular, I always shouted, God is good. And so you shout all the time. So God is good. And then I say all the time, you say God is good. Let's do that again. God is good. All the time. And there comes the Creole. So, bon dieu means God. Bon means good. If you're in the French, bon dieu, God, bon. So, bon dieu, bon. Tout l'air. Tout l'air means all the time. And then repeat, tout l'air, bon dieu, bon. Let me see how fast we get that. Let me see how fast you get that, brother. <laughs> so, bon dieu, bon. Tout l'air. Tout bon bon. Amen. You guys are sharp. You guys are sharper than I am. Um, but really, it's a privilege to be here. Um, I got saved at the age of 16. Uh, I was St. Lucia, um, that most people uh, know, um, part of the Caribbean. St. Lucia is the number one in the world for honeymoon and weddings. And all your major airlines fly to St. Lucia. It's strong on tourism. And um, so St. Lucia is almost dominated and controlled by the Catholic Church. And it's the French Catholic. The French Catholic is known for strong defense of their doctrine. And um, so um, I was part of the Catholic Church. I was an altar boy and getting ready to become a priest. And um, my family, my, on my mother's side, are Christians. Um, my grandmother had 15 children, uh, 12 males, one five, 12 males and three females. My mother is the first child. And out of that, we have about six preachers. Am I okay, brother? Yeah. We have about six preachers. That's part of the uncles. And out of the second generation, which is part of me, we also have about six preachers. In fact, my brother got saved first and then had to leave home because of Catholic faith. And um, I said, preacher, in about 16 years, he um, invited me to come to Barbados. That's a different Caribbean island. And I went there, and the Saturday God arrived. Sunday, he said, let's go church. And I said, I'm not going to your church. I'm Catholic. I'll be a priest. And so he left, went to church, and I stayed home. I cooked. And then Sunday night, he said, let's go church. I felt strange because here is a, my brother before me. Um, he paid my ticket. I'm staying at his home. I'm eating his food. At least I'll go with him one time. And uh, if he asks me again, I'll say, I'm going there. So I went to church that, that Sunday night and uh, sat at the back. And a crazy man, to me, got up and preached. Uh, I've never seen that before. Uh, the priest just stood and just read um, the so-called gospel. And that preacher just preached the gospel. And I got under conviction. Uh, growing up in my village, I was a good guy. Didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't run around. I'm going to be a priest. And um, I thought I was good. Um, but I understood that I needed to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that became a series of events in my life. After I gave Christ my life, I got involved in the youth work on Barbados. You know, several years later, I went back to St. Lucia, where I'm from, and then went to St. Vincent for Bible College and uh, studied there for a while, got my wife um, in St. Vincent, and uh, then went back to St. Lucia, uh, started pastoring the church. In fact, from my Second year in school, um, I was already pastoring. And uh, so it's about 30-something years now we've been um, uh, preaching the gospel. Um, I was born in 1959. And uh, so let you do the maths on that one. Um, I'm getting older, so I can't even remember what my age is. Um, uh, but anyways, um, I started pastoring a church. And uh, through divine providence, I am where I'm right now, the south of the island. And uh, St. Lucia is almost divided in two. 
the rich and the poor. So we are down south where the poor, where the airport, major airport is. But all the hotels are up north. And um, I went up and started pastoring. And uh, through some circumstances, an issue of the King James Bible, some American missions were there, both from Bible school and on the islands. Um, and then a graduate of Bob Jones, they did a number of things and turned uh, the preachers uh, against us um, because we stood on, on the Bible. And uh, so we decided as a small congregation that we would uh, nobody to fellowship with, so we start churches. So persecution brought us together involved in starting churches. And uh, we started bringing American missionaries to St. Lucia in helping us starting churches. And out of that, about five or six churches um, that have been started for God's glory. And uh, then pretty soon, uh, I started coming to the States, and I realized that coming to the States is not really for me because there were so many other pastors who couldn't come to the States. And I knew the needs that they had. And I began to get broken about helping the pastors, the national pastors who I knew across the Caribbean. And pretty soon we began to do a, a leadership conference. So we bring the rest of the Caribbean to St. Lucia um, the pastors, their wives, the Sunday school teachers, the deacons, the leaders of the church, youth workers, brought them to St. Lucia and brought some good men, Brother Byram, Brother Fisher, Brother Smith, uh, Dr. Gibbs, a number of uh, good men that you have here, came to uh, St. Lucia and began, began that process of teaching and trying to influence leaders. Uh, because if you influence leaders, then something is going to happen. And that has been going on for about 13 years now, um, leadership conference. We try to pay their ticket and get them there, feed them, give them a room to stay. And uh, we began in a building program. Um, and uh, it's not the normal type of building for a church in the Caribbean. Um, it's a building that we wanted to, um, almost like a central point. Um, so there's a place for um, folks to stay. When mission groups come, they could stay right there. There's hot and cold water. And uh, I know Americans love that. And, uh, and also Americans love air condition. So we, we try to accommodate that a little. Um, and, uh, but we began to build. And uh, we recently, with Brother Smith, uh, several years ago, began what we call the uh, Christ in the Caribbean. Um, we believe um, that there are a lot of good men and women in the Caribbean that we can reach the Caribbean for Christ. Um, what it is, enablement and supply. And so uh, we began to build this. We began Bible Institute, looking forward to start a Bible college. And, um, and then God began to burden our hearts. Um, the, how many people have been to the Caribbean? Anybody here? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What island you went to? You've been to St. Lucia? You've not been to the Caribbean, brother. We're going to change that. <laughs> but anyway, um, we, we began to realize the, the Caribbean is beautiful. It's tropical. Uh, it's not too far off the U.S. You could travel there from Miami direct, from Atlanta direct, from Chicago direct, from New York direct, from all major port, New Jersey direct. Um, but... It's sitting in the path of hurricanes. Actually, when the hurricanes begin, it begins with us. It's a tropical depression. But by the way, time it gets to you, it's cut four, cut five. And, uh, and so um, there are a lot of disasters that takes place. And so we began to get supplies. When I come up, I try to get as much as I can, get it to St. Lucia. And so we could go to these islands and help in time of disaster. And talking about that, in St. Vincent right now, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but in St. Vincent right now, which is about 48 miles off St. Lucia, the southern coast where I'm from, a huge volcano eruption is taking place right now. And it's literally affecting not just St. Vincent, but St. Lucia and Barbados. So we have all the ash coming in, and it's really creating problems, but St. Vincent is in trouble. And uh, I went to Bible school. I got my wife there. 
and um, they, 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 they are calling out for help. And so what we did, um, from the little we had, um, the beauty about it is that several of our ladies are married to preachers. So we have a lady in Zimbabwe, she's married to a preacher out there. And, um, but we have one in Trinidad and two in St. Vincent Midland. So one in St. Vincent Midland called me and said, preacher, there are a lot of people coming to the shelters, but no food, nothing. They're sleeping on the concrete floor. And um, is there something that can be done? So we sent her some money and she began to buy towels and curtains and food and began to cook the food and take it to the shelters and to help the people. And that began to grow. And um, while I'm here, uh, some, a church gave me some funds. And there's another sister in Trinidad who is married to a preacher from our church. And so we sent her some money because the, the supplies in Trinidad are cheaper than in St. Lucia. So we sent her some money. And um, tomorrow, she's getting the supplies on the boat to send to St. Vincent. Um, the reason we're doing that is that we have what we call NEMO. And uh, it's a disaster agency. But NEMO um, will take the supplies and give to who they want. And the people who need it can get it. So uh, our, our belief is that since we know so many of the pastors in the Caribbean, we get the supplies to them. And so they in turn give to their people and people in their communities that they know who I need. In that way, the need is, is, is reaching the people who really need it. And so uh, please pray for us. It's, it's a lot of things that are happening. It's a lot of things, I explained to your preacher, a burden on, on our hearts to get accomplished. We, it's 20 years now we're in the building program with um, Brother Byram, and let me explain that. Um, I said to our church, um, I believe that I need to do what I can. Don't wait on somebody. And then God is going to do the rest. And so I said to our church, let's do what we can. So brick by brick, for 20 years now, we've been building what you saw. And um, we're now getting to the roof, getting ready to put the roof up. But the Byron, when some goes from his church, saw what was happening. They got on board with us at the later stage. And now we're looking to put the building up, complete the roof. And here's the, the nice point. How many people who are here were involved in building? Anybody involved building? How many would like to go to St. Lucia? So what we want to do is to get a group uh, from the US. I've seen the, the principles of hard work by the Americans. They work fast. The, the principle is different to us in the Caribbean. We laid back. Um, so I said to the church, um, when the roof goes up, then I'm trying to get a group of people from the States for three weeks to come help us do finishing and furnishing. And um, I believe by in three weeks time that'll be done. And uh, so you please help us pray that God would continue to provide toward the building to complete and um, that we'll be able to see the outreach. The other thing we want to do, um, when we want Bibles and tracts, we get it from the States and we get it from Canada. As far as we know, there's nobody printing tracts and Bibles in the Caribbean. And we got a burden to start producing Bibles and tracts in the Caribbean um, so that it, it's, it's closer. We can get tracts and Bibles to various people. So it's an ambitious program, ambitious ideas that we have, but our God is a big God. And I believe everywhere I go, it's by divine providence. I believe in a sovereign God who allow me to go where I go and meet people everywhere uh, so that uh, we can reach souls together for his honor and glory. When you think of the Caribbean, you think of the beaches, the hotels, the pineapples and all that stuff, and it's true, it's there. But behind all of that is the working of the enemy and the, the cults and the false religion and keeping souls blinded. And so, preacher, what time is it I need to be done?
among the people who have really impacted my life. And um, a lot. But among them is one of them in the hospital right now, Brother Doug Fisher. Um, several years ago, some things began to happen with me. And um, I was already going to Brother Fisher's conference. And he got wind of that. And uh, he called me. And that began a long relationship of he helping me on. And then he introduced me to Brother Marvin Smith. And um, when I left Bible school, just to be honest with you, I like to be transparent. When I left Bible school, I thought that preaching is get your three-point outline, your introduction, a song, and uh, have all iterations, and you're okay. So I was God's bodyguard. But through several events in my life, God has taught me um, to have a heart and have compassion for people. And um, I wouldn't change it for anything now. And um, I'm preaching now a lot from experiences that God has taught me in my life. And one of these experiences is found in Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. And just one verse, verse number 12. And um, I'm aware of circumstances right now that confronts everyone. Issues, difficulties, trials, dark days that people face in their lives. And um, in my dark days, the only person I could seek was God. And there are several things he taught me, and I want to share some of these things with you. Exodus chapter 1, look at verse number 12. The Bible says, But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. I want to read that again. You ever imagine something when you're reading the Bible? There are some words that don't make sense. Let's read that again. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiply and grew. And they, that's those who are causing the grief, they became grieved themselves because of the children of Israel. Father, again, we need your help. Thank you for this wonderful place. But God, in such time as this, in such a place as this, you have a purpose for me being here. And I pray you fulfill that purpose. I pray you encourage your people. As you've encouraged me and encouraged so many people. Would you work? Would you show yourself mighty? Save the lost. Revive the sins. Do that only which you, only you can. Hide me behind the cross. And exalt yourself. We ask in Christ and for his sake. Amen. I want to preach for a few minutes on expanding in your dark days expanding in your dark days. The background behind Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 12, if you pick up from Genesis, Genesis ends with Jacob, patriarch, his sons. One of his sons is missing. Through divine providence, God moved and allowed Joseph to be sold as a slave into Egypt. Joseph could not see it. And I, I can't go back and preach that. But the different circumstances in his life was not pleasant. To be sold by his brothers. To be hated by his brothers. He goes to Egypt. He stands for God and is cast into jail. The people he helped forgot him. But God was behind all of that. And Joseph became number two in Egypt. Jacob and his sons heard that there is wheat in Egypt, which is a type of the world. Jacob not knowing and the brothers not knowing, 
went to Egypt to get wheat, to get food. Joseph recognized them, but they could not recognize him. The end of Genesis, Jacob quoted this wonderful phrase, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save your life. There are sometimes problems and issues that confront us in our lives that we have no answer for. But sometimes it's during those dark times that we can multiply, or rephrase that, that we should multiply and grow for the honor and glory of God. Note as we examine the text, the people of those dark days. In Exodus chapter 1, 2 to 4, the names of the people are given. In Exodus chapter 1 and verse 5, there are about 70 souls that find themselves in Egypt. It's the direct will of God. It's God working behind the scenes to get these souls in Egypt. These are God's people. These are God's chosen people. Being the child of God does not exempt us from difficult circumstances. Does not exempt problems in our lives. I don't know about you. But even as sometimes, I don't want the difficulties. I don't want the hard days. But it's good for me. I'm a servant of God. Why should I get hard times? Why should I get difficult times? Why should I be sick? Why should I be begging? Why, why, why the problems? When it seemed that those who are not serving God or those who are not living right seem to be prospering. Keep in mind, these are God's chosen people who found themselves in Egypt. These are the people. But a second thing I want us to notice, the passing of Joseph. That's an amazing thing. The Bible says in verse number six, and Joseph died. And watch this. And all his brethren and all that generation. Preacher, what happened? Jacob died. And then Joseph, Joseph himself died. Not just Joseph died, but all the generation of Joseph passed away. So in other words, the Pharaoh who knew Joseph died. All the Egyptians who knew about how valuable Joseph was to Egypt, they passed away. And there arose another Pharaoh, another generation who did not know how valuable Joseph was to Egypt. I want to stop here and You know, I've had some good friends in my life. And I don't know about you, preacher, but for one reason or the other, and I try to examine myself, what did I do? They just dropped me like a hot potato. And I beat myself. Try to examine what happened in my life. Why they're no longer my friend. There has to be a passing in our lives. There has to be a passing period because if I lay hold on to the past, I cannot move on to the forward, to what God has in store. Sometimes God takes people out of our lives so that he can be magnified. Sometimes God brings people in our life to help us meet the needs in our lives. And if we don't watch it, we look at these people as gods. So what God does, he takes them away. Sometimes, there is a passing as far as relationship is in your life. Sometimes, there is a passing as far as your work is concerned. Sometimes, there is a passing as far as your health is concerned. There's, there are different stages that God wants us to go beyond and not stay there. Joseph 
who was the savior of Israel, is gone. All that generation that would give them favor is gone. But note the productivity of the Jews. That's an amazing verse. Look at verse number seven. The Bible says, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty and the land was filled with them. The word fruitful literally means that these guys, like a fruitful tree, they produce a lot of children. I mean, everywhere you go, there they were. Got to be careful what I say when I preach on that. But preachers, I read this, and to me it's life. The wife just had a baby. And within a matter of time, she's pregnant again. It seems there is no stopping of the nation of Israel having children. Over and over. But keep in mind Genesis chapter 46. God is good. Genesis 46. Genesis 46. Look at verse number 3. That was God's promise to Israel. That was God's promise to Jacob. And he said, God is saying, I am the God, the God of thy fathers. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will make of thee a great nation. That was a promise given, and that was a promise kept. In times of desperation, keep in mind, God will always be true to his promises. God will always be true to his word. That was a promise given. That was a promise kept. The Bible said they wax exceedingly mighty. In other words, have you ever noticed people who walk in the field develop muscles? They don't have to go to the gym. The brother is watching. Like, you know what I mean? You understand me? Don't just figure the work you do. Anytime you see people start developing muscles and they're not going to the gym, they're working out in the field. They're doing construction. They're out in the sun. They're doing the dirty work. They're doing the hard work. What the Bible seems to be saying is that they were able bodies. They developed muscles. They developed strength. They were workers. They were not lazy. They were strong. And because of that, they were dreaded by the Egyptians. And again, the Bible said the land was filled with them. You go to Walmart, there they are. You go to some club, they overflow in the place. Everywhere you go, there they are. So the Egyptians got upset. So that prompted the darkness. Look at verse number nine. Look from verse number 8. And there rose up a king, a new king, over Egypt with you not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and more and mightier than we. Look at verse 10. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Lest they multiply and it come to pass that when they falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. So get them up out of the land. Preacher, what are you saying? That word more is a fear. There was a fear in the Egyptians. The king said to his people, that's a propaganda. The king said to his people, there are more of them than us. Sometimes we feel that there are more of the heathens than us. Sometimes we feel that we have been overrun by the heathen. Not just the matter of the more in fear, but there is the mighty in fear. They are accusing the Jews when the word mighty, they are accusing the Jews of having more influence. More influence than them. So Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, these guys have more influence than you guys. We cannot afford that to happen. We don't want that. 
and there is a moving fear. So I'm reading this. I've got a strange mind. You're in trouble having me preach. So I'm thinking, when I read this, Pharaoh likes the labor. He likes the work, but he don't want them. He wants them to work hard. He enjoys the labor of the fruit, but he don't want them there. So he's fearful that if another enemy comes in, they'll join the enemy and get away. And don't give Pharaoh the labor anymore. So what did he do? Not the status involved of the darkness. He set taskmasters over them to afflict them. What afflict literally means to torture. It means to hurt. It means to ridicule. It means to take down. So literally Pharaoh decided to do, here's what I'm going to do, Pharaoh said. I will tell you when you can go to the washroom. I will tell you how long you can work. I will tell you when you can eat. I will tell you how long you got to stay in eating. I will tell you when you can go home. <laughs> so here's what happened. They built Pharaoh's cities. Preacher, what in the world are you saying? Pharaoh decided that, okay, you're multiplying. You're able, man. I'm going to get you to work hard during the day. I'm going to give you limited hours at your home. I'm going to cut down the production. But it didn't work. Because the more they set taskmasters over them, the harder the work, the more they produce children. Could I say something here? I'm not from the States. I'm from the Caribbean. But everywhere we go, everywhere you go, you have issues. Your prosperity is not based on who's in charge whether it's in the government of St. Lucia or in the White House in America. I want to say that again. As believers, your prosperity is not based on who's in the White House or who's in the head of my government in St. Lucia. I have a greater king than the Prime Minister of St. Lucia. You have a greater king than who's in the White House. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes all our attention is who is in charge, whether it's in our workplace, who's appointed over us, and we, we forget that we are Christians. We forget that. And so we hit the panic button. And that's exactly what Pharaoh and the Egyptians did. They hit the panic button. They panicked. Because they panic out of fear. Maybe you don't like your boss. Maybe he's giving you trouble. Maybe you don't like your neighbor. Maybe they're giving you trouble. But is God God? Is God not above your boss? Is God not above your neighbor? Don't hit the panic button. And so, the prompting of the dark days is amazing. It's amazing what happened. So here they are. I'm going to put pressure on you. I'm going to put people over you in your work. I'm going to stop the production. Note the expanding in the darkness. Look at verse number 12. That's where verse number 12 comes in. So you understand where they came from. You understand what they faced with. And then verse 12 says, but the more they afflicted them, 
the more they multiply and grew. They were grieved because of the children of Israel. The more they put obstacles, the more they expanded slavery, the more darkness comes. Darkness and slavery failed to diminish the population. Darkness and slavery and affliction failed to stop the blessings of the Jews. You and I can learn from that. And so, several years ago, there was some issues I went through. And I already thought I was done. I couldn't understand what was happening to me. I thought I was crazy. And God put some people in my life and they began to explain some events in my life. And Brother Fisher said, you need to expand in your backgrounds. I remember he preached a message up in Buffalo, a camp meeting. Because darkness cannot hide God. Not with me in Psalm. I'm, I'm going to give to scripture when we close, but look, not with me in Psalm. God is good. I just want to encourage you tonight, and I'm, sure, I'm not sure what, what dark times you're going through. I'm not sure that your difficulties. I'm not sure what you're faced with. But Psalm 119, look at verse 71. Psalm 117, look at verse, I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verse 71. David said, watch this. It is good for me that I have been what? Afflicted. Why? That I might learn, die. David has said, God, thank you for my afflictions. There's somebody else I want us to note in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll close here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's just read the Bible. Could we? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read on verse number 3. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. Verse 6. For though I desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. Watch this. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, watch this, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that heareth of me. I know your preacher was making some calls today, and rightfully so. So I'm very careful who I allow to preach in the pulpit. Be careful what you think of others. Be careful. Be careful of the good things others will say about you. Although I believe we should compliment people when they need to be complimented. Amen. But sometimes we set ourselves so high because of what God has enabled us to do. We forget it's him who's doing it and not us. So here's what he does, because he loves us. <laughs> Verse seven, that's what he does. And lest I should be exalted above measure for the abundance of revelation that was given to me. I want you to mark the word given. Anything that's given to you is a gift. Understand that? Anything that's given to you is a gift. So God gifted to Paul. <laughs> he thought in the flesh. Watch this. The messenger of Satan to buffet me. Should explain the understanding of buffet. Get at you. 
lest I should be exalted above measure, that I must decrease and he must increase. That I don't think of myself above that which I should. In order, what I'm really, I'm just a slave. I'm just a servant. I'm a nobody. God help us as preachers, as leaders, as missionaries God have used. That we set up ourselves as kings. And we get all the glory. So to help us, God allows some things in our lives. It could be spiritual. In other words, I've got to be careful what I say, but it can be a fall. But Marvin Smith's done a wonderful job in reclaiming missionaries, preachers, leaders who've messed up. We okay? And it's amazing the people who go out to Iowa. Amazing. It's amazing, and he wouldn't say, the people who call him, telling him of their problems. If he tells you, you probably won't go to church. It's people you think would never do anything wrong. I got news for you tonight. I'm not perfect. There are issues in my life that I battle with. You too. There are issues in your life you struggle with. And you look to God. So from this, I'm conclude, preacher. God sometimes allows some thorns in our flesh that we don't want. So whether it's spiritual or whether it's physical, I've heard preachers say they know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Some great scholars say it was his eyes, couldn't write. One, one guy told me because he's he was divorced. All type of explanation people give. God didn't want us to know. There's an exclamation sign on that. God can use you whoever you are. God can use you. But sometimes, and I'm sure you heard Brother Preacher preach on depression, God takes us down so he can take us up. So that glory belongs to him. So watch what Paul is saying. Verse 8. For this I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Huh. And God said unto me, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Watch this. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory, Paul is saying now, I glory, rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let me pause here. It may be that what we're fighting so desperate to get rid of is the very cause of the power of God on our lives. What we're asking God to take away. There may be, that's what causing God's power to rest upon you. That issue in your life. That, that thing you're crying before God. Ask him to take it away. Well, maybe that thing that keeps the hand of God on you to keep you humble, to keep me humble. So here's what Paul's conclusion. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Excuse me? Are you reading it? That? Is that a King James Bible? Am I reading right? How about the prosperity preachers? So Paul says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. What's your next word? Have you ever been approached for the cause of Christ and people think all type of things about you? 
rumors and gossip, Facebook, social media. What's the next one? What's the next one? Explains itself. What's the next one? Wow. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Say what God has done in my life. He's taken me down so that I don't glow in my flesh. Here's what he's done in your life. He's taken you down so that you don't glow in your flesh. So you don't have confidence in your flesh. So you don't have confidence in your abilities. So you have confidence in your job. And the things he's given us to cause us to serve him. We've placed these things above him. So sometimes he takes this away. He takes us down. And when we are weak, then he can magnify himself through us. Embrace your darkness. Can I say that again? Embrace your darkness. Embrace it. Whatever it is that you are faced with, trust him. I often sing a song, and I'm going to read the words of that song as we close. God never moves without purpose or plan when trying his servants or molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord. Though your testing seems long, in darkness he giveth a song. The songwriter said, I could not see through the shadows ahead. So I look at the cross of my Savior instead. I bow to the will of the master that day. Then peace came and tears fled away. He continues, now I can see. Testing comes from above. God strengthens his children and purges in love. My father knows best, and I trust in his care. Through purging, more fruit will I bear. The chorus, oh rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. For when I'm tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. May God help us to look to him. May God help us to depend upon him. May God cause us to expand in our difficulties. It's a time of COVID, and you, you realize I'm wearing a mask. And... Um, our government, we've, we've had the lockdowns, the curfews, and all that stuff. And uh, the rules of our government is I had to take a COVID test before I came here. It had to be negative. And when I'm getting ready to go back, I must also take another COVID test. If I'm positive, I can't go home. taken a shot. I'm talking about the building. The government has said that if people will come down to help us right now, if you travel to St. Lucia, you must take a COVID test. And even though you're negative, you can't just go to any hotel you want. They will tell you where to go to. They will give you the taxi driver. You can't just call anybody. 
and the hotel will decide where you go. But all the hotels on the beach, so you're okay. But during the COVID, a lot of us lose our testimony. We lose it. Because we become impatient. We forget who's in control. You know, the COVID didn't take God by the surprise. Could I say this? Which I believe, I know men are exploiting that to do whatever they want. But COVID, cancer, disaster, that's when we can expand. That's when we need to do more. That's when we need to reach the loss. Because we have a Father in heaven who's above all. Embrace your circumstances. Trust God. Expand in your darkness. And see God do wonderful things when you get to a point where you recognize, I can't do it. Our Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the way you've helped me. And Lord, you are still working on me. Thank you. Thank you for the lessons I've learned. Sometimes things I can't see, but later on I, I get to understand. You help this church, help this wonderful pastor. The burden, desire he has to reach the world. The missionary and his family. The burden they have in going to a foreign land. Would you help them? Would you bless them? Would you provide? Would you multiply them in these difficult times? We recognize you in charge and you do all things well. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name.